Hey guys, it's Drew. Um, I just want to let you guys know that it took us a little bit to get this episode out because we had a bunch of technical glitches and also apparently I don't know how to record. So it took us about three times. So when uh, the episode starts, we're just jumping right into serial killer Donald Harvey. Uh, just so you guys know, didn't want to leave anyone in the dark or anything. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Thanks. This is totally the first time tonight that we've tried this. This is totally the first time that we've tried to record this podcast whatsoever. We're not getting worse at this. Yes. The the last several times have not been met with various issues. Um, We definitely didn't just talk for 15 minutes without recording. Yeah, that didn't happen. So So welcome to so welcome to Red Light Podcast. This is Drew. And I am Jimmy. Let's just dive right back into oh, it. We, yeah, were, we were talking we were talking about Donald Harvey. Let's just get right back into yeah, it. Yeah. Let's let's jump on that bad boy. So, um God damn it. Oh man, Donald Harvey. I'm glad I didn't get too far into this. Yeah, it would it would have sucked if we were like about to end and it was like, "Hey, by the way." Hey, by the way, I forgot to hit record. Hey, by the way, we just had a lovely Zoom conversation. That's all we did. <laughs> Me having done 17 episodes of a podcast and have a and have a communications degree. Also, me, I don't know how to record. What's the what's the record button? I don't want this on vinyl. No, no, no. So anyway, Donald Harvey, born in Butler County, Ohio, since by Cincinnati, or as we've said, we said about five times when we weren't recording, Cincinnati. Yes, yes, we did. Uh, 1952 in 1952. Uh, dropped out of school in ninth grade, began working in hospitals at age 18, first medical job, hospital that you were born in, in London, Kentucky, Marymount. And as you were yes. just saying, uh, for the people not to hear that it's been closed down for 10 years now. Yeah, yeah, close to it. Um, and, you know, people when I was growing up would call it murder mount. And I can only imagine that this is why, although it is like, it was a pretty creepy looking place in general. Um, and I'm sure if I went, I don't know that they tore it down. So I'm sure if I drove up on the hill where it's at, you know, back in town, it's like, it was like right downtown, um, up on a hill and it's probably still kind of eerie. So Um, like when people actually called it murder mount, did you ever just ask why? I just, I mean, I don't remember ever asking the, the way that I learned about Donald Harvey was, you know, my dad always watches and has watched you know, True TV, Investigation <laughs> Discovery, you know, those various crime shows that are on. Well, True and TV then, used to be Court TV. Yes. And it was, uh, there was an episode about, you know, like medical workers who kill. And it mentioned him and it mentioned Marymount in London. And I, that's how I put it I together. Know. Okay. Yeah. I mean... We didn't have anything cool like that in Paris. We just had a bunch of like racism. <laughs> so, you know. I mean, we have some of that too. So, so you know, it's whatever. It's not nearly as cool as somebody murdering like 50 people, but. Yeah. You know, different strokes for different folks. 
So he later confessed that during the 10-month period he worked at the hospital, he killed at least a dozen patients. Um, his second victim was killed in the room uh, was Danny George, a 12-year-old boy. Um, he insists he was insistent that he killed purely out. It, it kind of jumps around the info that I found. Like, so um, what year was this? Just roughly. So let's see. He dropped out of school at 18. So it looks like he probably got his job at Marymount around early 70s. Okay. So my mom would have been roughly in that same age. So now I'm very curious next time I talk to her to see if she like knew this kid's family or anything like that. I mean, it's a small town and it's still a small town, but at that time it was probably like two, 3000 people maybe. So London's London's what now? Like 10 to 12? Yeah. 10 to 12. I mean, the County has like 80,000, but the city itself is like, that's just because you have that 12,000. That's only because you have the trio combined combined county, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no, no. Um, I mean, Laurel County itself has like an eighty thousand population, but Shit. there's a city called Corbin that sets in like three different counties, which is technically not okay. Welcome to Red Light Podcast, where we talk about towns in Kentucky that you've never heard of. Yeah. Well, Cor. I mean, they may have heard of Corbin, KFC. The Colonel. I've never heard of Kentucky Fried Chicken in my life, you bastard. Wow, then how did you know what KFC stood for, you dirty liar? It stands yeah. for Kids Fucked Chicken. <laughs> I'm sure someone has. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's get on. Let's get on back to 12, 12 year old okay, Danny yeah, any, George. Anyway, anyway, murder, <laughs> murder, not bestiality. Um, um, Harvey was insistent that he cured, he cured, he did not cure any, I guess he cured them uh, he, of, of life. Living? Yeah. Hey, they're not sick anymore because they're dead. Um, health. That he killed health, stonks and health. Yes. Uh, he killed purely out of a sense of empathy for the sufferings of those who were terminally ill. He also admitted that many of the killings he committed were due to anger at the victim. So, I'm wondering if he tried, you know, if he came up with that as like a justification afterwards, or if any of these people were actually terminally ill. Cause I'm just imagining him thinking it's empathy because they're terminally ill and it's just a kid who's like recovering from having his tonsils taken out or something like super See, minor, very normal. I like to believe that it, it was one of those things where like he's, it starts out as that and then he realizes he likes the killing. Yeah, and starts so. to sort of bend his own rule. It's like when a, a serial killer that's not like a medical professional accidentally kills somebody the first time. They're like, oh shit, that got me off. Like this is, yeah, I enjoy like, this. I kind of like that. And now you have a monster. Uh, the full extent of his crimes may never be known since so many were undetected for so long. He used uh, many methods to kill his victims, such as arsenic, cyanide, insulin suffocation, Miscellaneous po- poisons, morphine, turning off ventilators, which he would have been a hero for COVID because he would have saved so many ventilators for COVID victims. Uh, I mean, he was just <laughs> thinking ahead. Um, administration of fluid tainted with hepatitis B and or HIV, which... How much which, HIV fluid like do you just have laying around? This is the... 
which resulted in a hepatitis infection, but no HIV infection and illness rather than death. This dude was just make, people, making people more sick, but couldn't even kill them that way. Imagine someone's terminally ill. You try to give them HIV via fluids that are known to have HIV and you don't kill them. Like You can be bad at killing, apparently. Also, this is one of the most interesting methods I've ever seen for a serial killer. Insertion of a coat hanger into a catheter causing an ab- abdominal puncture and subsequent, subsequent peri- peritonitis. So, so a, like a catheter is in like a urinary catheter mm-hmm. and he's taking like a wire coat hanger that he's- And just like straight up in there. Well, you know what? I don't like the sound of that at all. I already <laughs> hate the idea of getting a catheter. Um, so, so, so like amount. yes, I like the idea of a coat hanger being jabbed up one even less. Uh, cyanide and arsenic were his most used methods, uh, putting them in food or injections. So I'm curious, I mean, like neither of those things are going to be in a hospital. I don't know that cyanide <laughs> or arsenic have any sort of health, you know, like insulin, okay, because, you know, diabetics. Yeah. Morphine, pain management. But I've literally never on any show or anything ever heard like, oh, we need some cyanide. Every time I've ever heard about cyanide, it's literally been a murder or suicide. So I have an kind of a answer for that. Okay, I'm ready. So... um I can't remember her name, but it was the serial killer up in Illinois. She owned the farm and she killed, or in Indiana, she killed all Bell of- Bell Gunness? Yes, Bell Gunness. Thank you. Yeah, um, thick woman. Yes. She, yeah, Strong, she, built like a tank. It's literally like fucking five foot, 11, 300 pounds. Hey, man, I know this was like over a century ago. But they never found her. She might just be very old and still very strong. So she I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. She just disappeared. Um, so the thing that I learned from that is that cyanide and arsenic used to be in like everyday things. And I don't think they I mean, actually I don't think they actually started to take it out until like kind of late 20th century. I mean so okay. like rat, I mean, so like like rat poison and stuff was like totally undetectable, but like full of like arsenic and cyanide. See, that's just why. I mean, I get that even old Tommy medicine. You know, there's the meme like it's just you cocaine. Ghosts in your blood. Do some cocaine about cocaine. it. Yes, I, and I get that. Like old Tommy medicine was basically like, oh, there's not a real problem. If you just get really high and super drunk, you'll be okay. And it's like, thank you, doctor, for my one pint of whiskey and 10 lines of coke a day prescription or like how george washington had a throat infection so they uh they let out 40 percent of his blood yeah 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 you would go to a barber like the same barber now that you know cuts your hair and they would be like oh you have strep they didn't know what strep was they were like you have you know throat pain we'll just bleed you a bunch that'll probably fix it because, yeah, you know, if you're not well, bleeding out is going to help. That's never made anyone feel worse. Yeah, it just replenishes your blood. Yeah, your body's just like, oh, it's just the bad blood leaving. The good blood's here. 
when I worked at the blood center, whenever we took people's blood and gave them uh, drinks and treats, what do you think we were replacing it with? Yeah. Every time I donate blood, all I can think is, wow, I feel so much better after this. I don't need to have like a Sprite and a fudge round. I need to just go on a long run. That will help. I won't pass out. Hell yeah. Uh, so the majority of his crimes took place at Marymount, which actually in my notes says now St. Joseph's London. Yeah, much nicer um, hospital. The Cincinnati VA Medical Hospital and Cincinnati's Drake Memorial Hospital. Wait, this man killed the troops? This man did kill the troops. <sighs> Dang. Uh, at yeah, I'm starting to think <laughs> he might be a bad guy. You know what? I think he might be... A couple steps below Hitler. Okay. I mean, that's a good, you can say that because yeah. I mean, if they're massive steps. Yeah. Like, I mean, let's just, let's just say that it's a big stride. Uh, that's just going <laughs> to how, how I'm just going to describe anything. I mean, they're pretty bad, but like, they're not as bad as Hitler. But they're just not like, so, like, like they didn't cause genocide or anything, but like they didn't yeah. kill a lot of people. So, you know, somewhere between like, like a one and like a, a billion Somewhere in um, range. See, he either worked as an orderly or as an autopsy assistant. So what does an orderly do? Because I don't actually know. You know, I don't know off the top of my head. So it's time well, for my other favorite segment. Let's Google what whatever the fuck the definition of that is. Well, anytime I, I hear about it, it kind of makes me think of what maybe like a CNA so, so would it is, do now. It's an attendant in a hospital responsible for the non-medical care of patients and the maintenance of order and cleanliness. So like... Okay, so like... So like, like a, somewhere between like a CNA and a janitor? And a janitor, yeah. Okay. Imagine I just, having... I like I've literally never heard... Imagine having that job, but then also you have to uh, go mop the floors because somebody's shit all over the place. I mean... I'm just, I was just curious because, I mean, obviously I have, my wife is a nurse. You and Tristan are both in the medical field. I have other friends in the medical field. I've literally never heard a single of the dozens of people I know who are in the field say anything about, not new, but I didn't know what it was. Um, so he didn't just kill people um, in the hospital. Uh, when oh. his, when he suspected his lover and roommate, Carl, how, how will how, how will of infidelity? He poisons his food with arsenic. Um, okay. So he was just, so he was still killing people. Yeah. Like it wasn't in the hospital. It was like a domestic dispute. He poisoned two of his neighbors, sickening one, Diane Alexander, by putting hepatitis serum in her drink and killing the other, Helen Metzger, by putting arsenic in her pie. He also killed his boyfriend's father, Henry, with arsenic. Hepatitis C serum. Where do you, you get know, that? Where I feel like at some point you would maybe start to, like, at some point I feel like you would start to realize, like, wow, a lot of people are dying from arsenic. <laughs> And they're all tangentially related or near this one guy in particular. Maybe we should see oh. what's up with him. 
Oh, I got a, I got a, I got a hunch. Here you go. Uh, he kept his comms from being discovered for 17 years. Uh, begin the end of March 1987. An autopsy of John Powell, who had died abruptly after seven, spending several months on life support due to a motorcycle accident, revealed large amounts of cyanide in his system. So, man, like, I guess they just weren't doing toxicology <laughs> on people at all. Well, I mean, I guess not. Like, all these people are just suddenly dying, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, sometimes you just, sometimes you just die. Harvey became a person of interest when investigators learned he had been forced to resign from the from the VA hospital because he was caught stealing body parts for occult rituals. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like if you catch someone stealing body parts, like, period, you don't just insist that they resign. Maybe you call them into your office, but but the police are there. Like, you've already called the police. Because I feel like this is an issue, a situation where you you need more punishment than you lose your job. Seems kind of light to me. <coughs> oh, bless you. Thank you, Father. You're welcome. Um, Done. At, at the time, at the time, most host, host, most hospitals, uh, hospitals did not vet orderlies as closely as doctors or nurses. I mean, I get it because you don't, they don't need to like have any real sort of education to know what they're doing, but also maybe make sure they're not someone stealing body parts for cult purposes or, or at all. When they brought Harvey in for questioning, he immediately confessed. Um, and then, so an anchor at WCPO TV in Cincinnati, Pat Monarchin. Delved into his yeah. history. Monarchin. He doubted that this was a one-off case. He fought it, found it hard to believe that someone who had spent almost two decades caring for patients could suddenly kill one without killing before. Um, during his report on the night of Harvey's I mean, arrest, Monarchin yeah. asked on air if there had been any other deaths. Turns out several nurses at Drake had noticed a spike of deaths for at last for the for the least seven months. Oh my God. So maybe if you hire, okay, I'm just going to make up numbers, but you know, if you've got like one out of every 50 patients on average dies every couple of weeks, yeah, then you hire somebody, a new person, nothing else changes. And that number jumps up to like 10 out of every 50. Maybe you get know. curious. Yeah, I mean, maybe you see Just like perhaps you know, what, what's going on. Um, apparently, yeah. they had raised concerns with administrators, but they had been ordered to keep quiet. <laughs> Lovely. Not wanting the chance that Harvey would be acquitted, they reached out to Marchin for help, telling them that there was evidence that Harvey killed at least ten more people. Oh man, I just like I just like saying Monarchin. Monarchin. Uh, over the next months, Monarchin delved into the suspicious deaths 
uh, amassed enough evidence to air a half hour special report detailing evidence that linked Harvey to at least 24 murders in a four year period. Okay. I mean, uh, that's six a year on average. It's like so he, he was able to stay under the radar because he worked in the area of Drake where patients were not expected to survive. Mm, okay. So he was purposely like getting himself around people who were not, did not have a lot of life expectancy remaining. Uh, when Harvey's court appointed lawyer, Bill Whalen was briefed in advance about Menarchin's findings, he immediately asked Harvey if he'd killed anyone else. He replied by his estimate he had killed as many as 70 people. I mean, so he didn't try to fight it at all. Like once he got caught, he was just like, yep. At that point, is that lawyer just like, Jesus Christ, Donald, goddamn. Now like, we got to fight the death penalty. You're his defense attorney and you're just like, so hey, um, my advice to you would be just to shut up. Just. Um, so in a bid to save his life, he offered a deal. If the death penalty was taken off the table, Harvey would accept uh, life imprisonment and confess to all the murders. So he came, he admitted to killing 24 people. When when was this? Like, when did he actually go to prison? So in 87 is when he pled guilty to 24 counts of first-degree murder. Okay, 1987. Um, so he's been in prison for about, or it would have been like 33 years ago. And he was sentenced. He was sentenced to three concurrent terms of life in prison. Okay. Um, with that in mind, that November, Harvey pled guilty in Laurel County, Kentucky, circuit court to killing nine patients at Marymount in the 70s. He was sentenced to life plus 20 years. Okay, run, so now he's run, got life sentences in multiple and, states. Yep, to run concurrently with the Ohio sentence. Ultimately, he pled guilty to 37 murders. Okay, so roughly half of the number that he said that he possibly committed. And he confessed to killing as many as, as 50. So he... He killed okay. at least almost 40, like proven. Okay, so. And, and, and just so you know, uh, he's still not, in, he's not in prison anymore. Is he dead? Uh, yeah, March 28th, 2017, he was beaten to death. Oh, darn. Uh, fellow inmate James Elliott in 2019 was charged with aggravated murder and other charges related and was sentenced to life in prison after pleading guilty. I mean, well, I, I have a feeling this guy was probably already a lifer. Probably, probably, yeah. We used, yeah. You can get those guys. That I mean, like, have, yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Like, keep me alive longer? But that's the life oh, and death of man. Donald Harvey. Oh, okay. Well, time to lift some spirits up. <laughs> Here we go. So this is coming out of uh, Peoria, Illinois. Oh, Illinois. An Illinois man was, excuse me, <clears throat> I don't talk good. An Illinois <laughs> man found the perfect way to honor his father, an avid bowler that died several years ago. John Hingle's father, John Sr., passed away in July 2016. Since then, Hinkle has tried to find someone who would put some of his father's ashes in a bowling ball. Oh, I saw this. On April 12th, he finally used the special ball filled with his dad's ashes for the first time. 
Uh, Hinkle is a two-time uh, NCAA bowling champion uh, from Western Illinois University. Okay. And at 39 years old, he bowled a one of his many perfect games with the ball that has his dad's ashes in it. That just makes me really happy. That is so, just like that is it was, just a it really nice first, story. Yeah. Like it's not his first perfect game ever. He's rolled quite a few, yeah. but that was the first time he ever used that ball. And he's a two-handed bowler. Oh yeah. Like so he can't have a thumb hole in his ball. Is that's where he put so, the ashes? Yeah, he had the ashes put like they filled in the thumb hole with the ashes. Oh, so that's cool. Yeah, his dad had never um, bowled a perfect game. His dad bowled a two ninety eight and a two ninety nine. God. But his dad, I mean, yeah, so close. But his dad was the one that got him into bowling. So he thought, hey, that's the way to do it. You know, get the ashes in a bowling ball and roll a perfect game, perfect three hundred with it. How do we how do we know that Donald Harvey didn't actually kill his dad? You know, I mostly because this guy's dad died in 2016 and Donald Harvey was in prison. <laughs> hey. That's my, my theory. Listen, my man's a G. He was probably serving up hepatitis serum to everyone. He had it figured out. He was uh <laughs> he was sending it through the air. I love that though. That's awesome. But that's the story. Short. It's sweet, and I, I think mean, it's like a nice little, little it's happy. Nice, it's a nice little uh, palate cleanser. Yeah, like it's positive. It's not awful. So I think it's a good palate cleanser. I wanted just to keep it short and sweet and simple, and I liked it. Uh, so I'm doing a little something for Wish this week. Okay. I don't okay. have any. I don't have any Wish things. But I do have okay. very oddly specific weird books. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, the first book I have is called Big Dick <laughs> from Selena Kitt. Just that? That's the title? That's, that's, that's the Big Dick. Okay. Um, he, he's big, he's bad, and he only wants one thing, revenge. Rick Ryder spent years being called Big Dick. <laughs> oh, he just wants revenge because of his unfortunate nickname. It sounds like an incel book. Ridiculed, oh ridic ridiculed for his weight, shunned by all the pretty girls, snubbed by all the cool guys. But after a secret journey of transformation, he's, I almost said he's black. He's back. <laughs> ready to, Ready to take over leadership of his father at Riker Arms. With an impressive new physique and a plan to prove them all wrong. I don't know what Riker Arms is. Especially her, the one woman who hurt him the most. Annalisa, sweet, smart. <laughs> sweet, smart, stunning. And his stepsister, the girl he could never have. <laughs> um, yeah, FBI, this author. The girl who wouldn't look at him twice anyway, and especially especially in front of her stuck-up friends, now he's going to make her want him, show her just what she was missing, and hurt her just like she hurt him. 
he's got the weapon and he's taking aim, but he didn't count on his own heart getting hot, getting caught in the crossfire. Did you see reviews on this book? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm just gonna real quick here, please. I, you're gonna Google Big Dick and you're gonna get. No, no, no. I'm going to Amazon. Okay. Um, let me tell you, none of these top hits are <laughs> what I want. Um, man. Okay. I don't see the book. What's even more terrifying Amazon. is that it, the person who wrote it apparently is a New York Times bestselling author. I mean, with works like this. All right. We're just going to Google it. Let's see what pops up. <laughs> oh God. Um, the only thing that the first thing that popped up was I had to live with a huge penis advice book. Okay, what's the author's last name? It is Selena Kitt, K-I-T-T. Okay. Oh, I found it. I found it. Okay. Um, okay, first of all, it's $14.99, which seems like too much. Yeah, that seems a little more than I'd want to pay. 336 pages. It's got 4.2 out of 5 stars on nearly 100 ratings. Okay. One person called it one-sided. <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, because... I'm just going to read. The sex scenes were okay, but very one-sided. He didn't please her with his mouth even once. That's grounds for me to end a relationship personally. So not too interested in reading it when it should be an expected part of a relationship. Two people found this helpful. Oh, how? Okay. Yep. So there's that. We know how that person feels. Okay, so well then okay. Um my second one yeah, is next book. my next one is Harry Plotter and the Chamber of Serpents. I mean, is this just the Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets? It's a off? it's a Potter secret parody. It okay. uh it the digital list price is ninety nine cents, but the Kindle price is zero cents. So you save one hundred percent. Wow. It's hard to beat. Other than Austin, giving you money to download it. Austin comes to England knowing as an American he'll stick out at his new school. But when an errant owl lands him, lands him at Hogwarts, he's in for more than he expected. If it's not hard enough being the only American at Hogwarts, Austin's sorted into the most despised of all the houses. The bumble, Then bumbling around the dungeon while trying to keep his common room, he unwittingly helps the monster from the cha Chamber of Serpents. Will he discover the secret? Brother, you of the... Listen for that parody. Will he discover the secret of the chamber before he becomes another victim of he who must not be named? And oh, then, man, you know, sometimes fan fiction is really funny. Sometimes it's just bad. I feel like this might lean that way. And then we have Jock blocked. Jock blocked. Okay, the description is in. There's two descriptions, and they're from, I guess, the two different people in it. Colin. 
my life is pretty quiet and I prefer it that way. I do my schoolwork. I have what some would call a nerdy hobby and I have my um toys. Tutoring oh. pays the bills. And when I'm asked to help the star football player fix his grades, I'm just another job, right? Then I found out he's a dragon shifter who likes to party rather than study. Okay. At first, I thought this is just like going to be like gay erotica. But now it's sci-fi gay erotica. I wonder if the stories about dragon shifter anatomy are true. Not that I'm likely to find out since he's clearly straight. Ah, uh, clearly straight. I mean, he sounds pretty sure. Leon, being on the football team and belonging to the best frat on campus is great. I get to have fun and women throw themselves at me. Life was looking good until my team captain found out I was failing a class and hired a nerdy little human tutor to keep me focused and get me back on track. But it turns out the guy is actually kind of cute and quite a distraction. Nerdy little human tutor sounds like the worst dirty talk imaginable. All calling once is a quiet life studying and building his models. Dirty little human tutor. All Leon wants is to have fun and play football. You know, when he said his toy. I I don't know what he meant by his toys. See, when he said his toys, like after hearing what followed, I was like, it's a butt plug. It's a that's his toy. When the Could nerd like a model airplane. When the nerd and the jock are thrown together, logic dictates they can't both have what they desire. Or can they? Ooh. So yeah. you know. That's what it, that's that's that all I've got. Steamy. Yeah. Um he's clearly straight. Yeah, he's clearly straight. Like he says that, and like I feel like if it were a movie or a TV show, it would just like pan to Colin looking out the window, and Leon is just in the middle of the street in their subdivision, just banging some girl like man, this wish, is how I, I know he's straight i mean i wish he was banging me instead oh man let's see let's be a crazy <laughs> the rock and kevin hart movie that's all i'm saying i'd, I'd pay six dollars to see it yeah yeah you know it could it could go in the that bin at walmart that's never been organized ever no, literally they just like drop it from the top of the ceiling yeah yeah, I don't even think even when they put them in there, there's any rhyme or reason. They just they just get a forklift. And they're like, okay, get it as high as you can, drop it, and then we're gonna shake it really hard. What do you got for me? I don't have anything okay. this week. I, I had my feel good story. Um, got my commentary. That's what I, mean, I have this week. I mean, you know what? That works for me. That's what I brought to the table. Well, then guys, thanks for letting us do this three times to record this. Yes. And this time it worked. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're cool. I put out videos. MySpace, Google Plus. LinkedIn. My yearbook, Yelp. AOL, Yahoo Answers, even though it's taken down. Plenty of fish. Ask, um, ask Jeeves. Tinder. Uh, Bumble. Um, um, 
Oh God, Grinder. Yeah. yeah. Follow us everywhere. Yeah, just just type in Red Light Podcast. And also, and just, let's keep following. And uh, hey, be kind, be good. That's and all we ask. That's all very, anybody asks. At the very end of this episode, I just want to give a big shout out to uh, my wife's friend, Cat. Uh, recently just got a cancer diagnosis yesterday. So, you know, if you pray, just say some prayers. But, you know, we're just kind of get a big shout out, you know, Crevery. Hopefully everything goes well. Cat's going to punch it in the face. So. I feel it. Also, I'm going to give a shout out to Shelby. She got a sword. She did get a fucking sword. Let's go. She got a sword. It looks super cool. When I come up to visit, I'm going to ask her if I can hold it. <laughs> Be like, hey, Shelby, can I hold that sword? And uh, we'll go from there. And well, guys, thanks for listening. This is the last podcast you'll hear when Jimmy's alive. Yep. <laughs> Kentucky man dead after <laughs> trying to hold sword. Tries to be Florida man. Kentucky man tries to be Florida man. Fails. Hmm. See you guys. See ya.